From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation in technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. During his four-decade run with St. Louis Park-based Knutson Construction, Dave Bestier has put building and management skills to use on notable projects ranging from stadiums and hotels to hospitals and schools. Bastier, the company's executive vice president, kicked off his Knutson career in the early 1980s by working as a land surveyor on the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome project in downtown Minneapolis. He went on to become general manager in each of Knutson's regional offices. During his 17 years as general manager, he oversaw, quote, numerous new construction, remodel, and renovation projects, end quote, according to Knudsen. After a stopover in Iowa, Bastier is back in the Twin Cities, where he serves on the company's advisory board. In the following interview, Bastier reflects on his time with the century-old company, how he got started in the business, and his experiences working on the Metrodome, the one-time home of the Twins and the Vikings. Well, Dave, thank you for, for joining me today. Uh, it's good to see you. How are you doing there? Doing good. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to interview with me as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave, uh, thank, thanks for joining us. And um, I know you've been with Knutson for quite some time now. What is it, 40 years, 40 plus? Is that right? Yeah, just over 40 years, correct. 1980. Yeah. Great. Well, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, your, your time with Knutson, some of the different positions you've held, the, the roles you've played, and, and sort of how you've sort of climbed the ladder through the years. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, just prior to joining Knutson, I, I went to school as a, uh, to be a land surveyor, and I was land surveying for about well, four years prior to Knutson. And um, got laid off because times were slow. And one of my land surveyor friends was doing land surveying at the Metrodome Stadium um, and told me that Knutson was looking for somebody to help with the, the layout, basically surveying, um, showing where, where to put things, that sort of thing. And so I, I started on it as a, a layout helper at the Metrodome Stadium. Um, it was very early on from the ground up. Um, so that's pretty exciting for me because uh, big Twins fan, big Vikings fan. Um, so I was thrilled to be a part of that project. Yeah. Um, yeah, from there, um, I went on to carpentry school, um, to become a carpenter. That was, seemed to be the best track for me at the time. Um, so I, I worked on several projects, um, uh, doing layout again, but also carpentry work, um, which I really enjoyed because growing up, um, my dad, uh, finishing our basement, um, I was right by his side the whole time. So really got a flavor for construction, was never really good at it, just, just uh, helped my dad. So when I was able to um, go to carpentry school and become a carpenter and, and learn from some really talented uh, individuals, um, it was pretty exciting for me. And um, so I, I just really have a love for, for building things and, and construction. 
Yeah, my, my dad was a carpenter and he went to Dunwoody and after the war and things like that. And I, but so I've, I've been interested in it too, but I ended up writing about it instead of building. Yeah. So. Everybody's got a role to play, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But you mentioned the, the Metrodome. That's, that must have been quite a project for you to work on early in your career. Um, you know, to me, I, I know I'm getting old when it seems like 1980 isn't that long ago, <laughs> right. um, but uh, I, I I do remember well that was a, a bit of a controversial project at the time as most stadiums are. But um, what was it like for you to work on that? Can you talk a little bit more about that experience? Sure. Um, it, it was a lot of long hours uh, because as a layout person, you're the first one there to show where things go and you're the last one to leave at night um, to make sure columns are plumb and that sort of thing. Um, it was, um, like I say, it was really exciting for me um, because I was able to take my skill as a land surveyor and uh, as a young man at that time, I was able to show these older gentlemen um, that have been doing it all their lives how to build something. Um, so it just, I had a natural knack for that. Um, I was blessed with, with being able to do that. Um, but it was a great pride for me to um, have a position like that, just the layout helper. However, um, pretty instrumental role and uh, very much needed and called upon by, by pretty much everybody on the project. So um, it, was, it was an honor to work on that project. Yeah, and you know, when I mentioned that it was a controversial project, of course, that was from the political standpoint and getting the project approved and so forth. But I know the stadium, you know, it served this area well for a long time and hosted World Series and Final Fours and and everything. And so, and and uh, was what did it cost to build it? Something like fifty million or something. I don't even, I don't remember yeah. exactly, but yeah, I think it was in the fifties, if I remember right, and yeah. which was not a lot of money. <laughs> Even yeah. back as far as stadiums go, it was uh, a relatively inexpensive stadium relative to what is being built nowadays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, what uh, what other projects have you worked on, and sort of have you had uh, kind of a has it been a wide range of different types of projects? Or uh, sure, um, about that. Worked on industrial wastewater treatment plants, water treatment plants, uh, a lot of um, um, hospitals, um, educational, um, just a wide variety of things, casinos, hotels, bowling alleys. Uh, just um, when I look back on it, especially at this point in my career, when I know I'm kind of winding down, um, I really reflect back frequently on some of the projects I've worked on and how much fun I've had. I, I think one of my favorite clients, um, I have a lot of favorite clients, but uh, one of my favorite, I think, is Prairie Island Indian community, just because of the relationship that we have. Um, when I was promoted um, early on in my career, one of my first jobs that I did on my own was a hotel for Treasure Island Resort and Casino, mm -hmm. um, which went, was tremendously successful, uh, both in the building itself, budget, quality, that sort of thing, but also in relationships. And um, I've been working on projects pretty much continuously with Treasure Island Resort and Casino for the past 24 years. Have developed great relationships with the Indian community, um, the directors, that sort of thing. So it's, it's really 
a relationship built on trust. And um, part of our, one of our uh, values is fun. And so it's having fun. So it's, so we celebrate our successes, um, project lunches, that sort of thing. Um, so I've got a lot of great memories, Treasure Island Resort and Casino. Um, done a lot of work for Mayo Clinic down in Rochester. Um, the Gonda building, which is the sister building to the Mayo Clinic building that was built, uh, I'm not sure which year, but um, I think Gonda building is the most fascinating project I've ever worked on. Um, at, at the time it was $500 million. So um, a lot of stone that was quarried, not quarried in Italy, but it was um, fabricated. Um, cut to size, that sort of thing. So a lot of trips to Italy for that one. Um, and it, it's what Elm calls a hundred year building. So it's uh, about as high quality as you can possibly get. Um, so we did phase one and then they decided to add additional 10 floors onto that one before we were finished. So went on to that phase two and did later fit ups on shell spaces. Um, did a, uh, Pencil beam proton facility for mail. It's called the Richard Jacobson building. And that's one where we had seven foot, seven foot thick concrete walls, ceilings, floors, um, just because of the radiation. Um, that was very uh, challenging in the technical aspect of it. Um, and uh, the Knutson team really stepped up and did an awesome job on it. We did the self perform the concrete placement, um, all the planning that sort of thing. It just, uh, very proud of that one as well. Boy, there's that so many one of the more challenging projects you've worked on? Yeah, I, I would say it's probably one of the most challenging, definitely. Um, just getting the, understanding the equipment that's going in there, it was manufactured in Japan. Mm -hmm. And so um, working with uh, the Japanese company and um, the language barrier was okay, not great, but um, just working through those types of things and the, the technical aspect of it. Yeah. Well, you've seen a lot of ups and downs in the construction market too since then, uh, with the Great Recession and, and sort of smaller mini recessions along the way and some boom times as well. Um, reflecting back, uh, what was that like and, and um, just kind of how did you get through the, the difficult times? Um, we, well, 2008 was obviously a huge challenge with the recession there, um, but we worked early on in our planning on how we would, um, we were fortunate enough to break even every year, but we, we were very careful in look, looking at hiring, being careful that we weren't overstaffing um, because of our relationships that we have uh, we were able to have enough projects to um, to stay busy um, they weren't banner years but uh, we were able to um, struggle through those through good planning mm -hmm. and what what are you currently working on um, we're working on um, we just finished a school uh, down in Marion, Iowa, uh, a, a middle school uh, that was a very successful project. Um, it was a challenge because of COVID. There were some outbreaks on the project. 
Um, so we had to shut down for periods of time. Um, but fortunately, to the day, we were able to open on time for the students, uh, their first day of school. Um, the owner was tremendously pleased with the outcome, quality, um, the way the building was, was uh, closed out and ready for students. Um, doing senior housing projects down in Iowa. Um, we had several slated to start up this year, which with COVID, um, seniors weren't excited about being in multifamily situations. So those got put on the back burner. Um, we're working on projects for the University of Minnesota uh, up in Minneapolis, Waconia Ridgeview um, Hospital, uh, renovation down in Rochester, we were awarded um, school projects. So we're, we just started an elementary school um, in Rochester. We've got a middle school that's starting up just down the road that we're overseeing. Um, we have projects lined up for Mayo Clinic in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, I know I'm only touching on a few, but we've yeah. got those projects like that. So considering that COVID situation, we're pretty fortunate to have a, the amount of work that we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, the school projects, especially, you mentioned those, those seem to be moving along. And maybe what are some of the areas that maybe have slowed down a little bit in terms of project types? Um, have you noticed any? Yeah, we patterns? had some builds for veterans projects that we were going to start um, that were put on hold, which were just recently um, approved again. So that was good news. Mm -hmm. We were um, in a position where we had. Um, the, the highest backlog we've ever had lined up for 2020 going into 21 and 22. Mm -hmm. um, and then with COVID, oh, a lot of those projects were put on the back burner, um, mm -hmm. which really affected our Iowa market um, because of a lot of multifamily housing projects, that sort of thing. Uh, developers were pretty cautious. Um, the good news is it feels like um, across all markets, things are starting to open back up again. There seems to be more uh, optimism about the future and with learning to live with COVID. So um, things are seem to be picking up again. Mm -hmm. Are you pretty active in Iowa and other markets beyond the Twin Cities? Very active. We've had an office in Iowa, I think for to test my memory here, but I think about 35 years, mm -hmm. um, done numerous projects for the University of Iowa. Mm -hmm. uh, we just finished up a brain science building for University of Iowa, as well as uh, central sterilization, where all the um, medical instruments are sterilized in one location and then shipped to the various uh, uh, clinics and hospitals. Um, so we've done some really iconic projects for the University of Iowa, some really cool buildings down there. I wasn't personally involved, but I've been to them for annual meetings and that sort of thing. Um, so it's pretty impressive, the projects that we've done down in Iowa. Okay. And what are your plans? Are you starting to wind things down now? Uh, how, how are you? <laughs> um, well, Brian, I thought I was done a couple of years ago, um, but what we, we hired our new president, which he is taken over for myself and Steve Curry, our owner, Steve and I ran the company prior to James Benning coming on board. So we hired James, it was a year ago in March. And I mentored James 
along with Steve Curry for probably pretty close to a year. Um, and James is doing an awesome job now. Um, we still have regular communication with him through our advisory board and, and weekly phone calls. Um, but then we made a switch for our Iowa office. So I, I started going to Iowa about this time last year um, to help close out a couple projects. I mentioned two of them already, brain science and central sterilization. And we made a change in management um, in January. So I took over as interim general manager. We hired our new general manager in August and he started the day of the derecho. I don't know if you've heard about that, but it was the uh, number one worst first storm in the history of the United States, which it was uh, devastating damage that was done throughout Cedar Rapids, Marion, Iowa City, especially Marion and Cedar Rapids. So he started that day and I've been mentoring him um, pretty much on a daily basis, numerous, numerous times a day, um, making sure he understands how the Canucks in the way, what our values are and uh, that sort of thing. So I, I see myself continuing to mentor uh, Vince Ellison, is the gentleman's name, um, for probably the next three months on a, kind of a full-time basis. And then from there, um, as he needs me. Um, in addition to that, Steve Curry, our owner, asked me to um, sit on our advisory board as a director, along with four other individuals. So that was uh, our first meeting was, I think, last December. And that's going great. Um, got some great outside individuals on, on the board. Um, good variety of people with technology and um, ex-CFO. Um, so that's a learning curve for us right now. Um, we were told it would take a year or two to really gel together. So I, I feel really fortunate and blessed that I'm able to slow down, but continue to be involved with a company that um, has been nothing but fabulous for, for me and for my career and my family. It's, um, I just can't see enough good things about Knudsen. Well, do you have any big plans for retirement if and when you get there? Maybe you'll be like Sid Hartman and work until you're 100 years old. <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah, pretty amazing what that guy's done. <laughs> uh, I have six grandchildren, um, three daughters and three son-in-laws, so we're, we're a very close family. I spend a lot of time with them. We have a lake home with some hunting land in uh, just north of Rice Lake, Wisconsin. So I wanted to make sure I've, I've seen enough where uh, stories where somebody retires, they, they sit at home and watch Judge Judy all day and they make it about a year before they pass. Mm -hmm. So I, I made certain that I've had things lined up for me to do. A couple of reasons, I wanna stay active. Um, another reason, if I don't have something to do, I get incredibly bored. Um, mm -hmm. So I just can't sit and watch TV. It's not in my mantra. Um, so I, I like um, in the woods that we have up there, I like cutting firewood and splitting wood. And um, I have a, a shop that I built, a barn that I can do different kinds of projects on, that sort of thing. Um, fishing, hunting. Um, so walks in the woods, that sort of thing. Um, my wife and I are pretty close, so we spend a lot of time together. We're easing into, it's it, it's fortunate that it wasn't cold turkey that I just retired and we're both home alone all the time. Um, yeah. 
I, I've been able to ease into it. So we're kind of used to being together a lot more frequently than we were. Well, one nice thing about having those carpentry skills, you always have something to do in retirement. That was the case with my dad. As I mentioned, he was a carpenter and he always had something to putter around with. Right, right, <laughs> some, exactly. Some kind of project that kept him busy, so. Yeah, and the kids all, always call on us too. That My one daughter and her husband are doing a wood floor in their in their house right now, so I'll be helping with that. And so mm -hmm. there's always a project to do, you're right. Yeah. Well, good for you. Nice chatting with you, Dave. Uh, good luck as you move along and uh, in your in your current projects and, and in the future. I, I wish you well. Thank you, Brian. Same to you. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.